Here we go. It is the Chiefs Film Podcast. My name is Farzee Masugian. Appreciate all of you guys taking the time to download and listen to this episode. Hope you guys are having a great week as we continue in the month of November. Really good weather here in Kansas City. Not too bad, uh, but I don't anticipate that it will last much longer. But hey, take it while you have it. Farzee Masugian along with Zach Stegengagade. Fairly good show for you guys. Not a lot of topics on this episode, but very excited to have Mark Centeni from Arrowhead Guys joining us here on the Chiefs pot, the excuse me, the Chiefs Zone podcast for this episode. So excited to have him on. Uh, Mark's a longtime listener of um, of the podcast, uh, which obviously greatly appreciated. And he's got a very interesting background when it comes to sports and social media. I'll explain later on when we have him. So going to be a lot of fun talking Chiefs football with Mark. And, of course, we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Titans. Should be a very interesting one. We will break that down later on in the podcast and give our predictions for the game. Facebook.com slash Farzin You can follow me at Farzin21 on Twitter. And follow Zach at ZSteginga. Text in 913-808-2119. We'll read a couple of your texts later on in the podcast as well. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. Spread the word about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Share the links with your friends on social media. Greatly appreciate it for those who have been doing that. Please continue to do so. And spread the word about this great podcast. Zach is here with me all the way from New York City. Zach, how's it going, man? How's your week? It's going good, man. I mean, you know, it's definitely not as nice of weather here in New York. Like, had to actually dig out the coat this morning, which, yeah. Um, I'm a warm weather creature, so I didn't love that, but it's all right. I got to see my Jayhawks you know in the how, garden, so you know, really, life is good. Yeah, you know how it is here. We we grab our coats in the morning, and we don't need them after work. It's it's that kind of a place. Yes, coats on the way to that. work, shorts on the way home, right? Exactly. Uh, but you mentioned the garden. You texted me uh, Tuesday night when you were at the game, uh, which is awesome. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. Always wanted to. Uh, what was that experience like, for man? You? I mean, I know KU lost and all, but. It was an awesome venue, and I mean, I was sitting up on, they have what they call the Chase Bridge, which is essentially like, you know, if they took the uh, you know, kind of back row of the stadium, but then instead of like, you know, going you know, slanted up the way most stadiums do, I mean, don't get me wrong, they still do that, but they also just have, you know, a bridge that essentially takes the third, you know, back section of this uh, arena and goes up. Uh, so it's like, you know, you've got four or five uh, rows effectively stacked on top of each other, but it makes for a great view. Uh, you know, it was basically center court, and it wasn't terribly expensive, so it was a pretty great way to watch the game. The only downside was that I was surrounded by Duke fans, who I did not appreciate. <laughs> did you hear about the UFC event in Madison Square Garden this past Saturday? I, I heard that or there was the some sort of, of scuffle it? there. I don't remember exactly what happened. So the main event ended up being a disappointment. It only lasted three rounds because Nate Diaz had a big gash over his eye, so the doctor stopped it. But it didn't appear to be as bad as people thought. So everyone was pissed off. In fact, the doctor, uh, he's been in the center of controversy before with mixed martial arts. There was a former Mizzou fighter. His name is Michael Chandler from Bellator. He fights in Bellator. He lost his lightweight belt because he, he thought there was a stool underneath him. So he sat down, and he obviously just hit the ground really hard. And so the doctor stopped the fight because he fell, calling it an ankle injury, which wasn't the case. And he lost his title like that, which is unfortunate. So this doctor has been in the center of controversy before. 
dude, he's getting death threats online because a lot of people were rooting for Nate Diaz, who was, if we're being honest, just getting his butt kicked in this fight. I'm a Nate Diaz fan, and I'm saying that, but uh, we live in a world, man, where doctors are getting death threats for mixed martial arts. People are stabbing each other and fighting one another over Chick-fil-A, or not Chick-fil-A, Popeye sandwiches. What a world we live in, man. Yeah, this is why I drink. This is why you drink. That might have been the best one-liner you've had for anything on this podcast. I mean, I, I do my best. You know, I, I try to work them in every once in a while. Though, to be fair, the best one-liner that I've heard you know, in at least the last 24 hours actually came on the heels of the KU Duke game last night, which if you watched, you would know that... Uh, I mean, yeah, I know you watched Farzine, but for our listeners' purposes, if you ha- if you didn't watch the game... Kansas played a pretty sloppy game. I think they had 28 turnovers when it was all said and done. Uh, but as we're walking out, uh, walking out of the garden, halfway through the uh, Michigan State-Kentucky game that took place afterwards, uh, you know, one of the security guards, who was, of course, doing his job and therefore not watching the game, uh, asked how, how it turned out. And we were like, yeah, we should have won the game, but we gave up you know, about 30 turnovers. And he's like, 30 turnovers? Even the Knicks don't even do that. Uh, which, I mean, frankly... Knowing what I know about the Knicks and specifically their ownership, who also, of course, owns the Garden, like, man, that was a bold move on his part, being willing to criticize the uh, home team there, because you know their owner is notoriously thin-skinned, and anything that makes him upset, he just kind of gets rid of, because he can do that, evidently. Uh, That's so, pretty funny. Yeah, props to that security guard. He was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Oh, man, that that's that's good. Yeah, 30 turnovers, I mean, that'll... Yeah, you, it's, it's hard, it's to, be hard win to win when games you do like that. that. And yet um, we actually almost did, which was weirdly yeah. encouraging. Yeah, crazy to hear that. But I'm sure we'll dabble on KU a little bit here and there as they're anticipated to have a pretty big season uh, after kind of a step back last year. But we're not here to discuss that, of course. We're here to discuss some NFL football, Chiefs football. We'll get to the Chiefs part of things. I know I normally do this the other way around. I kind of want to go backwards this time because Tuesday morning, this insane rumor went around that the Chargers were going to London. Did you hear about this rumor, Zach? Oh, of course. And then, you know, Dean Spanos' very um, vehement disagreement with that statement. Yeah, he quickly shut that down. Listen. Vehemently. Let, let me just, yeah, yeah. L- l- let me just say something. There will never be an NFL team in London. There, I mean... It's just logistically never going to work. And if it does happen, it is a disaster that will be on the NFL's hands. Like, here's the thing, Zach. Football season starts in August, September. And there are a lot of trades, uh, a lot of cuts that take place during those two months. August and September is also back to school month. And I remember Teddy Bruschi mentioned this, I think his first or second year when he was an analyst for ESPN. He said, the toughest part about this, the preseason cuts or the surprise trades, like LaShawn McCoy was unexpectedly let go by Buffalo. And yeah, sure, he reunited with Andy Reid, but the whole moving process from New York to Kansas City, not not an easy one here by any means. Uh, I am aware. Yeah, yeah, you're, you've, you've done it the other way around. I mean, not to Buffalo. Um, and you did it on short yeah. notice, too, but we won't get into that. The, the The point I'm trying to make here is, you know, a lot of these, and, and I don't know what LaShawn McCoy's family life is like. I don't know if he's married or has kids or what, but a lot of these NFL players do. And when you get traded or you go to another team on such short notice unexpectedly, 
a lot of these players bring their families with them, and with school just getting started, it's never an ideal time to move your kids either. So let's say, you know, the Chiefs decide to trade, and just an example, let's say they try to trade uh, Matt Moore, and they trade him to the London Chargers of all teams. Uh, Again, terrible example because they're in the division, but just bear with me. Matt Moore would probably be more inclined to quit because who in the hell wants to move all the way to London just to play professional football? Like, and second of all, the road teams are going to have disadvantages. And then that London team, if they're going to be going on the roads eight times a year, they're going to be at a disadvantage because of the travel that they're going to do so many times. And people are going to say, well, the NFL doesn't care about logistics. They care about money. Okay, but you do it for one year, you're going to get a lot of backlash and a lot of complaints about this. And to be quite honest, no American sports reporter is going to move all the way to London to cover a team. Uh, then you go from 32 beat writer possibilities to 31. I mean, sure, I mean, there are a lot of beat writers now. ESPN, Athletic, the local newspaper, you get the idea. But this whole London thing, it's just never going to happen. And quite honestly, I get flabbergasted when people believe this stuff. I'm going to disagree with you to a point, and that it includes a very important you know, kind of condition here, and that's that I, I agree with you as everything currently stands that it's you know a logistical challenge. That being said, uh, I'm well aware that there is a company that's uh, in the process of trying to bring back the supersonic jet, you know, a la the Concorde that used to take, uh, I think it used to run from new york to london and maybe to paris too or something um but you know i was able to do like new york to london i think like three hours or something uh which i mean new york to la is you know about that bad maybe a little bit worse um and so if they make advances enough to where that's feasible then it's a different discussion because the travel isn't nearly as bad as it would be today but I agree with you. As it stands today, it's highly unlikely. By the same token, the Chargers certainly aren't... I mean, the the, the part that has gone under the radar of this story is that, uh, you know, the Chargers are certainly struggling in L.A. Uh, the fact that they're struggling to fill out a soccer stadium tells you something. Because, um, spoiler alert, soccer stadiums are not the size of the uh, NFL stadium that they're looking to build out there. No. And I think it's, you know... It's kind of funny to me the way that the NFL kind of seems to have blundered their way into this. Like, you know, for one, shouldn't they have been able to see it coming that, hey, you know, it's Los Angeles where, yes, they they enjoy football to a point, but they haven't had a team for a while. And, you know, if ever they were going to support a team, it would make sense to put the team that, you know, has some historical uh, ties to the area, which is to say the Rams. And then also the Raiders would have been a very logical fit. But instead... You know, they let the Raiders go to Vegas, and then they tried to toss the Chargers in there for some reason, and it's just, now they're wondering why it didn't work. And the rest of us are sitting here like, uh, well, I don't know about you, but I kind of saw that coming. So, do you think there will be a team in London? Cause I, I, some Down the line, do. it wouldn't shock me. I mean, whether it's uh, part of, you know, if we, if they continue to push a little bit of an international expansion... Uh, and again, it has to, you know, they have to be able to make the travel uh, less of an issue. And that ultimately comes down to you got to have the, you know, sonic flight, so to speak. Uh, and until that happens, I don't think it's really that feasible, but it could happen. 
somebody, in fact, a few people actually tweeted me, you know, what about the idea of having like a separate conference where you have, you know, several European teams and then, you know, the winner of what the what the Super Bowl and then the European Bowl, they play in like a World Bowl. And I thought, okay, it's actually a cool idea in theory, but, you know, we're a long ways away from anything like that. First of all, you know, how long will something like that last? Because essentially that's what the NFL and AFL was. You had the NFL championship and the AFL championship and the winners for those two championships played in the Super Bowl. That's obviously how that was coined by the one and only Lamar Hunt. Uh, many years ago, and then the AFL folded, and they all merged under the NFL. And look, I don't mean to compare a potential European league or a conference to the AAF, and we obviously saw, saw what happened with the XFL before. I'll be honest, I'm not confident in the XFL's lifespan for the second round, because, and I understand maybe it's a different time, different era, but uh, you know these things don't tend to last long. Uh, even leagues like the LFL, uh, which is the all women's league, the Legends Football League, or the Arena League. I mean, I even they the really struggle. Football League. They changed it. They used to be called that. Now okay, it's the Legends Football League. So I'm not losing league. my mind. Good. No, no. Um, but you know the these kinds of things don't last long, and the ones that do last, they're not getting you know the greatest attention in the world. And second thing, if there is like a European league. Where do you find players? I know a lot of people say, well, you could just draft, have, have a longer NFL draft. But, you know, how many of those players would be inclined to go play pro football internationally? Now, I'm sure we, we, we see a lot of guys that don't make it to the NBA. They play internationally. But I think it's because basketball is a much uh, more respected sport worldwide than football. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, if we're going to have enough coaches that are going to want to coach in Europe or, or whatnot, good coaches too, that is. Um, I could see that possibility, but we'd be a long ways away from anything like that. Yeah, I think that you you are correct in that I think the talent drop-off is really the thing that'll kill it um, if, it were, if it were to be a separate league. I mean, we saw this happen when NFL Europe was a thing. Um, they, they did give that a run, and it didn't pan out. There's a reason it doesn't exist today. Um and that would be why. And so, I mean, I, I think that if they're smart about it, you know, maybe a team in London is a possibility and then you start gradually starting to expand out. But it, it, realistically, I think it would be akin to the, you know, the way that the MLS compares to, uh, you know, the Premier League, for example, which is to say that, you know, yeah, it's nice. They've got a professional league and all, but it's vastly inferior. Like, no offense to the That's MLS, a great point. but it is vastly inferior still to the Premier League. Like, until you have, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo types uh, or, Lion, you know, Lionel Messi types coming in and, you know, playing their prime in the MLS, the MLS will always be second fiddle. It's just a fact. Uh, and realistically, that's how it would look if we had a European arm of the NFL because like it or not the primary foothold for that sport is here in the US and the gold standard for the sport is also in the US that's the same way with the NBA uh and Euro basketball there uh you know they've got some great players don't get me wrong but you know, I don't think that anyone would tell you that you know Maccabi Tel Aviv would come over and beat you know the the uh I almost said the Warriors but they're hurt so maybe they would uh, but, you know, like the Lakers or someone like that. Like, you know, the NBA is the gold standard on that front. So is the NFL. So I think it's a, 
a little ambitious, and it's you know there's nothing wrong with aiming for it, but I think you have to organically grow the sport, uh, much the same way that you know soccer is doing with the MLS. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugin at Farzine21 at the Stegenga. It's, it's an interesting idea, but I just don't think an NFL team in London is a realistic thing uh, for the reasons we just mentioned. So let us know your thoughts. Agree, disagree, and let us know why. Um, not a lot of Chiefs news this week. Not a lot. And by the way, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, this is going to be our last time doing a podcast twice a week. We're going to be going back to once a week uh, next week, and we had some good feedback from that, and I appreciate those who reached out. Uh, a couple of people were happy we're not ending the podcast, which is, you know, I can understand that. Uh, Zach and DJ were definitely happy about that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But no, we're definitely going to try to keep the shows a lot shorter. Uh, definitely going to trim some of the topics, and even some of the text messages as well. Like last episode, we read a lot of text messages that had the same commentary, so, you know, we'll, we'll try to trim em. that down as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. What were you going to say? I was just saying, you know, when it comes to the text, like, don't get me wrong, we'll still read your text, but, you know, if you and some other listener also have, you know, had the same take, there's a good chance we'll probably read the take and then credit you both for it. That's just, you know, it makes more logical sense for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we can't read the same te- text five times that say Charvarius Ward had a great game. He had a great game and deserves the praise, but uh, we don't need to hear it a hundred times. That's that's another thing, too. Listen, I, I definitely want to read anyone that sends in a text because when you take the time to text us, that means a lot to us. Uh, but we also want to, you know, we, we want to keep the show flowing as well, too. Um, and it sometimes helps, you know, on a week like this when there's not a lot of uh, news. Uh, but one of the, the, I guess the biggest Chiefs news this week outside of the whole quarterback injury situation uh, Mark Donovan extended to a what they're saying is a long term deal. I don't. I never saw the details for this, and I don't know if a whole lot of people care necessarily for this. I I, I do think it's worth a mention, and you know, I, I think what's nice about this is when Carl Peterson was here in Kansas City, he had multiple titles. He was CEO, president, uh, general manager. I mean, he had multiple titles, and. He was carrying a lot of duties, whereas now in Kansas City, you have Brett Veach, who is the general manager. You have Mark Donovan, who is the president. Who is the CEO of the Chiefs? Do the Chiefs have a CEO even? Technically, I do not believe they do. I mean, okay, I just know I'm, I'm th- essentially Andy Reid leads the team on the field. Brett Veach is in charge of, you know, obviously as the GM. And Mark Donovan runs the business side of things. And all three of those are on a level answering to Clark Hunt. So yeah, Clark Hunt is the uh, w- what it says on uh, the Chiefs website, part owner, chairman, and CEO of the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, when you can split duties like that, as you just mentioned right there, that's a lot better. And sometimes I just wonder if Carl Peterson's duties, uh, being as big as they were, so many of them, if that maybe made an impact on his performance uh, with his job because... When you yeah, like look at a coach for example, when a coach uh, is a head coach and a coordinator, uh, like Charlie Weiss was the offensive coordinator and head coach at KU. Uh, Romeo Cornell was the head coach and defensive coordinator here, and it's no accident that those teams had bad. Se- I mean, KU's had a lot of bad seasons in football, but the Chiefs that year, Romeo Cornell was not even focusing as being the head coach. He was focused on his defense more than uh, anything else. Uh, very few coaches are able to do that. It's just not a. It's just not an ideal situation for any team or any college program to have. Unless you're Bill Belichick. 
Donovan's here, but yeah, like I said, very few people can uh, can make that work. So Mark Donovan extended long term with the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get to our Chiefs and Titans breakdown, Zach, the Chiefs, they've been playing really well defensively, and it's even showing up kind of on the stats sheet. And I don't know if you noticed this, and I think there's been some misleading comments about this on Twitter about whether it's overall rankings or just like against the pass rankings. But if you look at the Chiefs' defense right now, they are 12th against the pass. They're 22nd in total defense, which isn't good, but it's certainly a big step up from 31st last year. 18th in points surrendered per game with almost 23 points a game. Now, 29th against the run, but they had a great game against Dalvin Cook, not letting him do anything. I was waiting all game long wondering, you know, when are the Chiefs, or excuse me, when is Dalvin Cook going to go off for a big game? And he never did. Uh, this Chiefs defense is slowly coming together. Uh, the Broncos game, okay, it's, it was the Broncos, but then the Packers game, they gave Rodgers a bit of a hard time, and now this big this game against the Vikings, in my opinion, the biggest one of the season, uh, you faced a lot of great offensive players on that Vikings team, and the Chiefs are really starting to come together defensively. Do you feel that way about this defense right now? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because I definitely still want to see more progress. By no means is this a finished product. But at the same time, there has been tremendous progress that's been made. Uh, you know, just compare and contrast the uh, you know game against the Vikings versus the game against the Colts or the one against the Texans. You know, just especially from a run defense perspective, it was like night and day. You know, Derek Nottie was you know actually standing in there stout and making plays as opposed to getting moved around like a rag doll. Uh, you know, it was. Yeah, I think that you know a plan is definitely coming together here. I was uh, honestly surprised to see on the rundown that we were 12th against the pass. That seemed you know a lot higher than I would have expected. If you had told me coming into the season that with our group of defensive backs we would be 12th against the pass, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, and so it's a testament to our guys and the way that they've stepped up there. That's certainly uh, you know well done on their part. Obviously, some work to do against the run, but I think that you know realistically as we're getting through you know eight or nine games here you're starting to see the defense really start to gel you know they've tried some things out that didn't work uh and they're trying to figure out where everybody fits i mean you know i was on record as saying that reggie raglan was going to be a cut uh thinking that darren lee could do the job and while darren lee's certainly more effective in pass protection or sorry a pass coverage uh you know raglan really has brought you know the thump that we needed on the run defense so yeah, they're figuring out how all these pieces fit together, and it's starting to look like a solid defense all of a sudden. You know what's really convenient, too, is, you know, a lot of people wondered what's going to happen with the conference because, you know, without Patrick Mahomes and, you know, the Vikings are coming into town, they've, they've won four straight games, and they're a well-rounded team. A lot of people were just saying, let's just win the division. Well, the Colts suffered a loss, and we all saw what happened to the Patriots, losing by 17 to the Ravens, <laughs> and... All of a sudden, you look at the Chiefs. They're kind of right back in it with the with the conference right now. And you know, you know what the best part is about the schedule. I just kind of realized this for the first time. The Chiefs do not have any more road games in the division. They've yet to play the Chargers, but when they are the quote unquote away team, that's actually going to be on a neutral site in Mexico. So you're not visiting Assuming any more AFC West opponents. This time. That is a valid point. Yes, uh, little little asterisk right there. You know, card subject to change. Um, but no, I mean for right now as it stands, you're you're not visiting any more AFC West opponents. So 
Uh, and again, that doesn't mean you're going to automatically win, but still, you still like your chances more times than not at home, uh, for sure. So it's going to be very intriguing to see how that all pans out for the remainder of the season. Because you got the Titans again. Don't underestimate them, especially what which which what happened the last two times you played the Titans. Uh, you got the Patriots on the road and the and the Bears, which they're not having the season that a lot of us thought they were going to have. Um, this is kind of turning out to be a very favorable November and December for the Chiefs. Uh, maybe more favorable than I thought. I know that sounds overconfident, maybe a little uh, too overconfident, but um, you know you you just got to feel good. You know, having a big win without Patrick Mahomes uh, and Eric Fisher as well. Uh, that's a big deal if you're Kansas City right now. Without a doubt, and I think that you know it started to get some national run too. I mean, Tony Gonzalez was on record saying that the Chiefs were going to win out. So, uh, I mean, he's oh wow, not yeah, he he's not totally off base on that. Um, you know, it certainly could happen. Uh, I mean, I'll again, I I'm always cautiously optimistic, and going into Foxborough in December is never an easy task, uh, no. even if the Pats are just coming off a loss there to the Ravens. Like they're not to be underestimated. We know this, um, and so that's still going to be a tough game. But the rest of the schedule sure does seem fairly favorable for the Chiefs, and that's uh, certainly a welcome change here. Yeah, and I'll say this. I know there's a lot of talk about how the Patriots finally played a real team and all, and I get that all. I, I'm not certainly not discrediting. I mean, give the Ravens credit. They showed up in that football game, but the Patriots, man, just when we want to rule them out, like, you know, in 2017, 2014, and I think last year as well, they got off to really slow starts in all of those years. They won the Super Bowl. So my thing with the Patriots, I'm just not going to discredit them or rule them out, write them off until they are actually eliminated uh, from the playoffs. Assuming they make it to the playoffs uh, would, I mean, something insane would have to happen for them to not be able to get there. But um, Brady would have to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of those teams that always finds a way, even during some of the worst uh, obstacles that they've had to overcome. Um, So it's going to be a very interesting uh, ending to the season, Uh, going into Week 10 and the last uh, few weeks, just see how that all pans out. Should be a lot of fun to watch. But Chiefs and Titans, the Chiefs got to take care of business on Sunday, and this will be on the road. Chiefs have had the last two games at home against Green Bay, and Minnesota. Uh, in fact, it's been a while uh, since they've been on the road because the Denver game was a Thursday night game. So uh, they have not been on the road for a couple of weeks now. And they're going to be away for quite some time because they've got the road game in Tennessee, the expected neutral site game in Mexico, and then a bye week. So they're going to be away from Arrowhead for uh, a couple of weeks. It's going to be a long time. And they'll be playing the Raiders on December the 1st. And that'll be a home game. But for right now, they'll be playing the Titans. The weather for this game, 51 degrees. Or excuse me, no, this is, I have this all incorrect. So uh, ignore anything I have about the weather. That is Kansas City's weather. Uh, but the referee for this game is Tony Corrent, uh, Corrente. Uh, been a referee since 1999. His first Chiefs game uh, was the second game of his officiating career. Week 2 of 1999 when the Chiefs and Broncos played. Ref the Chiefs and Ravens overtime game last year. Which was obviously a very good one. He officiated Todd Haley's first win as a Chief back in 2009. And he was also there uh, when the Chiefs and Falcons played in 2004. When the Chiefs uh, broke the record. And I, still, I think they still have the record. For most rushing touchdowns in a single game as a team with 8. Priest Holmes had 4. And Derek Blaylock had four. Uh, Blaylock, a long time since I've heard that name. 
Uh, as far as the betting odds go, Chiefs open as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Announcers for this game, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and on the field, Tracy Wolfson. And as far as the coverage goes, lots of people, no surprise, going to be seeing the Chiefs game. There's going to be a weird spot in the middle of Oklahoma. They're not going to be getting this game. But pretty much everyone in the West Coast, uh, everyone in the almost uh, in the South, uh, with the exception of a couple of regional areas, going to be getting the game. Some areas in the Midwest, uh, more so north, uh, the Dakotas, Wisconsin, uh, those areas and parts of Montana, uh, they will not be getting the game. Uh, they're going to be getting the Detroit-Chicago game. And then you've got a couple of areas uh, in the New England area uh, that will be getting the Chiefs and Titans game. Uh, and also Anchorage, Fairbanks, and Honolulu all getting the Chiefs game. So a lot of eyes, once again, on the Kansas City Chiefs for this week, Zach. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think that it's going to be uh, certainly an interesting game given our track record with this particular team. That you know, I mean, shoot, last—I mean, I guess maybe not the last time we played them, but certainly the most memorable time in recent memory here. Uh, their quarterback succeeded in throwing a touchdown to himself, so uh, certainly not a gimme yes. game by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and, and again, you can never underestimate teams in the NFL. Look, the years when the Chiefs were bad, uh, you know, from 2007 through 2012, a lot of people thought they'd be able to win games against the Chiefs easily, and there were times when the Chiefs came away with those unexpected wins. So, uh, I mean, th- that win over the Packers was a great example when the Packers were undefeated late in the year. The same week, the Chiefs changed head coaches and quarterbacks. So, uh, never can I underestimate them. Uh, real quickly on the injury report, uh, Chad Henney, who the Chiefs put on the active roster, he is dealing with an ankle injury but was a full participant. Patrick Mahomes was also a full participant for the first time since his knee injury, and he's only listed with the knee injury. They don't have the ankle injury included on that, which is interesting to note. Uh, defensive linemen uh, Derek Nadi and Chris Jones both were full participants. Uh, Dustin Colquitt, also a full participant, and it's worth noting they released Jack, uh, Jack Fox, so... Good news for Dustin Colquitt. I mean, it seems like he's going to be okay moving forward. Kendall Fuller was a limited participant after missing last week's game. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif also uh, limited. Uh, Frank Clark limited as he is considered day-to-day with his neck injury. Eric Fisher and Alex Okafor uh, once again did not practice. And as far as the Titans go, uh, a couple of players did not practice for them. Wide receiver Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, their tight end. And then on the defensive side, Jarrell Casey and Jayon Brown. And then the rest of their players, Cameron Wake, Chris Milton. Uh, Cameron Wake, not injury-related, but uh, Chris Milton, uh, Harold Landry, and Ben Jones, the center for them, all limited in practice this week. Uh, as far as the weather goes, I did pull that up uh, in Tennessee. Uh, 62, 62 degrees at kickoff and winds at 10 miles an hour, which coincidentally going to be the same as Kansas, Kansas City as far as the winds go, so... There you go. Uh, not much different there. Uh, head coach, we all know who this guy is, Zach. Mike Vrabel, former New England Patriot and a former Kansas City Chief. He actually came over in the Matt Castle trade, uh, played for the Steelers before from 1997 to 2000, had 10 receptions all in the end zone uh, in his career. So very cool to see him kind of have that offensive uh, little deal in his career. Uh, first coach linebackers at Ohio State. Then he worked with Romeo Cornell after playing for his defense in New England and in Kansas City, and then served uh, for his defensive staff in Houston, and as a defensive coordinator, Romeo Cornell stepping back a bit, that allowed him to become the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Kind of cool to see him uh, work a lot under Romeo Cornell, and 
that, of course, you know, Romeo Cornell learning from Bill Belichick. So essentially, this is a guy from the Bill Belichick tree. Yeah, but it's it's unique in that it's a uh, you know, and it's another rung, if you will, or another you know, it, it's a branch of a branch, which is uh, something that has been distinctly lacking from the Belichick tree as a general rule, because more often than not, you know, most of his proteges have gone on somewhere, failed miserably, and then come back. Um, and so, you know, it was certainly neat to see Vrabel, you know, make it out, uh, and, you know, have, you know, Romeo Cornell, who of course was a tremendous mentor to him, uh, you know, kind of start his own little coaching tree, if you will, as like a little offshoot of the Belichick tree. Yeah. Very cool to see. And, you know, I, I know a majority of the Belichick tree has not panned out, uh, but there are a couple of guys out there who have had some success, uh, since leaving the Patriots. Uh, offensive coordinator for the Titans, Arthur Smith, been with Tennessee since 2011, working just about almost every position on the offensive side except for the quarterback spot. This is his first year as the offensive coordinator. They're 26th in total offense, 24th in passing, and 26th in scoring with 18.7 points per game. Uh, they're pretty good at running the football, about average, I should say, actually. 18th running the football, just a little over 100 yards a game. Let's look at their quarterback situation. They've got Marcus Mariota, and Ryan Tannehill has been starting the last three games. Tannehill has thrown 980 yards, completing nearly 72% of his throws. That's the best he's had in his career so far. Six touchdowns, four picks, 13 times he's been sacked, has a 99.7 quarterback rating, uh, had a season high of 331 passing yards in the loss last week uh, that the Titans had. Best completion percentage he's had in a season, like I mentioned. And he started the last three games for them. He came in in the second half uh, a few weeks ago against the Denver Broncos. Uh, still held them, Broncos held them scoreless. But uh, the Titans were able to move the ball a little bit better than uh, than they were able to. So, uh, Ryan Tannehill trying to run things, and you look at who he's got to work with. You've got rookie wide receiver A.J. Brown, a second-round pick from Mississippi, leads the team with 429 receiving yards and three touchdowns, uh, leading in that category as well. You have Adam Humphreys, 32 catches, leading the team for 318 yards, but has yet to get into the end zone yet. And Corey Davis, who we mentioned on the injury report, uh, he's got 28 catches. Delaney Walker has missed the last three games, but there's a lot of optimism that he'll play uh, despite dealing with that ankle injury. He's got 21 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns, uh, co-leading the team with A.J. Brown. But if they're going to try to beat Kansas City, they've got to utilize that running game. And the Chiefs did come away with a really good game defensively against the run. So how do the Titans plan? Well, they've got Derrick Henry, who's 10th right now in rushing yards with 644, tied 5th in rushing touchdowns. Uh, with six, uh, he had 99 yards from scrimmage last week and two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground, and he's got Deion Lewis, his backup behind him. He had a season high of 53 yards from scrimmage last week. So these are some guys who have been able to do some good things lately, uh, all season long, more specifically Derrick Henry, and you look at who they have. They got two really good offensive tackles in Jack Conklin and Taylor Lewan. Uh, interior offensive linemen, not as good, but if they're going to run the football, be ready to see them try to attack the outside because that is where they're going to try to beat Kansas City the most, in my opinion. I think you, you're probably right to a point there, though. The one thing that I would say a little different is that, you know, with the way that Derrick Henry runs, he's kind of a between-the-tackles kind of guy. I mean, he's 6'3", 250. You know, he's a very big, bruising kind of back, you know, very much a throwback in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I think that just his sheer size and strength uh, might give the Chiefs a little bit of trouble uh, coming up the middle, whether that's, you know, 
uh, running, whether that's, I don't think it's actually even really defensive line oriented on that front. I think it's more focused on the fact that, you know, realistically, if the, if their offensive line can get to the next level and put a block on some linebackers, uh, all of a sudden that leaves Derrick Henry on safeties, which with the exception of Dan Sorensen and the honey badger, cause the honey badger doesn't care. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, <laughs> like, yeah, that that's a big man to try to bring down if you're a defensive back. So, you know, gives me a little bit of cause for concern. But uh, I think ultimately, you know, as I was looking at just kind of the rundown of all these pieces, like they've got a lot of good pieces in place. But oh, ultimately yeah. it hinges on the guy that's under center. And uh, don't get me wrong, Tannehill certainly seems to be doing much better than Mariota was, which is saying very little. Uh, but, you know, 72% completion percentage ain't bad. The only issue with, you know, what you've seen out of Tannehill is really the fact that he's, you know, got a touchdown to interception ratio of you know three to two like that's not great um you know six touchdowns four interceptions and then oh 13 sacks for good measure over the span of what four i mean i guess three and a half games effectively yeah that's some of those things aren't great and they got some work to do there but uh i don't think there's a better offensive tackle tandem in the league besides taylor luan and jack conklin i mean they truly are um you know i mean obviously ours when eric fisher is healthy does certainly uh, bear mentioning as well, but I think that uh, they pale in comparison to these two, and I think that really the Chiefs' defensive line is going to have a real tall task on their hands this week. One thing I was surprised with Kirk Cousins last week is just the amount of incomplete, like overthrown passes he had. He had three touchdowns, which was great, and found some open receivers in the end zone, which is something Kansas City needs to work on, but uh, man, I mean... Kirk Cousins just missed so many open throws, uh, even from the get-go, was a 0 of 3 to open up the game. And it's just, you know, the Chiefs do need to make sure they don't let these guys get so open because a guy like Tannehill, who has that high completion percentage, he'll uh, he'll complete those throws, and it just takes a little bit to be able to do some damage and get through a defense and try to move the chain. So that is definitely an area the Chiefs need to be prepared for this Sunday against the Titans. Defensively speaking... Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, former Kent State head coach, and has been a defensive coordinator at so many places, collegiately and in the NFL. Finley, Miami, Ohio, Toledo, Michigan State. And in the NFL, he uh, replaced Romeo Cornell. We mentioned his name again. Uh, former Chiefs head coach, of course, uh, and defensive coordinator. Uh, replaced Romeo Cornell in New England once uh, Cornell left to become the head coach of the Browns. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator there, also with the Ravens. And now with the Titans, the Titans are in the teens when it comes to total defense against the pass and against the run, but they're in the top 10, seventh to be exact, and points allowed per game. Now, they don't have a lot of big name playmakers as far as their sack leader. You've got Harold Landry, the third, who leads the team with six sacks, and you've got Cameron Wakewest, two and a half sacks. Their first-round rookie, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, a defensive lineman, a defensive tackle, has a sack. Jarrell Casey has a couple of sacks. Uh, Rashawn Evans, he's ninth in tackles in the league with 75. Five and a half of them for a loss, leading the team in those categories. He had nine tackles last week. He's had double-digit sacks in four of his last five games prior to last week's game. So this is another player to kind of keep an eye on with this defense. And as far as the secondary goes, got a very interesting cornerback in Logan Ryan. I mentioned uh, Landry leads the team with sacks. Well, Logan Ryan, he's second on the team, and I think I may have said Cameron Wake, so I apologize if I made that mistake, but Logan Ryan has three and a half sacks. That's the second most, which is kind of unusual for a cornerback. Uh, third on the team 
in tackles for a loss with four and a half. So a very aggressive cornerback in Logan Ryan. Also leads the team with three interceptions. Kevin Byard, uh, the safety. I hope I said that right. He also has three picks. Uh, but hasn't had one since October the 13th against the Denver Broncos. Uh, but he is considered the fourth best safety uh, from Pro Football Focus. And then you've also got Malcolm Butler, who's got two picks. Dory Jackson, another cornerback. Uh, one of the better cornerbacks, above average cornerbacks in the NFL. So they've got some interesting pieces on defense. Not great by any means, but they'll keep you out of the end zone when they have to. I mean, that secondary is pretty stout. Uh, yeah. Malcolm Butler, of course, you know, well known from... The uh, you know, ill-advised play call that Pete Carroll made, uh, not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch and instead throwing it to Malcolm Butler, who was, of course, in a Patriots uniform at the time. Uh, you know, he's a solid corner, as is, I mean, you mentioned you know Logan Ryan, and then uh, Adoria Jackson is a phenomenal athlete, above-average corner, but then you know, really the, the best of their secondary here is Kevin uh, Byard, without a doubt. I mean, he's a top-five safety in the league. He's a ball hawk. You know, part of the reason that he hasn't had picks since October in uh, you know going going up against Denver is the fact that people have gotten wise and stopped throwing at him, uh, and so he's definitely disruptive there. And then on you know on the front lines, you know, Jarrell Casey has been one of the most criminally underrated players I feel like in the NFL in the last call it five to seven years. Um, and then you know you've got Cameron Wake, who I'll be honest, I didn't know was still in the league, but. Uh, seems to still be produce, producing, and then uh, Harold Landry out of Boston College, uh, as well as Rashawn Evans. Like this is a solid Titans defense. Like uh, really across the board, this this is a solid team. It's you know maybe not uh, you know a Super Bowl contender by any stretch, but realistically, a quarterback along the Alex Smith line, uh, you know, of quarterbacking. You know, which is to say, somewhere that nets out, you know, call it top fifteen, uh, you know, top ten in a really good year. A quarterback like that has this team going on fairly deep runs in the playoffs, in my opinion. Special teams coordinator for the Titans, Greg Ackerman. Third year with the Titans. Ten years in the NFL, 20 years coaching overall. Uh, Again, more familiar names on this um, this Titans team. Ryan Suckup was the kicker in the beginning. 0 of 3 in field goals. Then Cairo Santos came in. He was 4 of 9 in field goals. And then... Uh, he dealt with a, uh, an injury and obviously wasn't playing well, so they released him. And they bring in Cody Parkey. And Cody Parkey, of all people, 3 of 3 on field goals. Their best kicker this year. Uh, but we'll see how long that uh, that pans out. Uh, punter Brett Just Kern. Just to the playoffs. Top, yeah, d- until the playoffs, yeah. Uh, <laughs> top 10. Uh, Kern is top 10 uh, in both average punt and uh, net average punt yards. And as far as their special teams goes, nothing too crazy. They've got Darius Jennings, uh, Khalif Raymond, Adam Humphreys, and Adora Jackson handling kick returns and punt returns for them. So there's that on special teams. Not as good as what we've seen in uh, past uh, uh, weeks uh, against some of the other teams that have had better special teams units. But nonetheless, that's what they've got to work with. Uh, if this game comes down to like a game-winning field goal, a potential game-winning field goal for the Titans, maybe you can watch, mate. But if if he makes it, then you just feel angry about it. So we'll see how that pans out. But nonetheless, uh, that is the Titans in a nutshell. And now we are going to give our predictions. I am going to go... I'm going to say 27-10. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball. At, or I think they'll be able to move the ball with or without Patrick Mahomes. I'm just going to assume it is 
Matt Moore, even though it's expected that Patrick Mahomes will play, if Mahomes is playing, I think they'll do a little bit even more. Uh, but I think even with Matt Moore, you should be able to take care of business on offense. And I think the defense, I think they're coming together. I, I don't think this is a you know pretender defense. I think this defense is for real, and they'll have another good game defensively, and they'll, they'll be tested with Derrick Henry. And I think they'll be able to pass that test. And I think the Chiefs win this one 27-10. That's, that's a pretty fair prediction. I would say that you know, if Mahomes plays, I'm going to go with 35-17. Uh, and if it's more, I'll go with twenty four seventeen. Uh, just you know, seems about right. Uh, I think the Chiefs definitely, uh, you know, I mean, as the odds would say, are certainly the favorite. Uh, but you know, this Titans team—they've got some solid talent across the board. They just really, for one reason or another, haven't seemed to put it all together. Do I think they're going to put it all together this week? No. Do I think that they're going to? certainly make a handful of plays that make us Chiefs fans scratch our heads a little bit. I think they very well might. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'm going to go with, uh, you know, assuming Mahomes plays, we'll go 35-17 Chiefs. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzim Sugan at Farzim21 and at the Stegenga on the Tweet Machine. And joining us right now here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, as promised, very excited to have this gentleman on. Uh, he is a contributor for ArrowheadGuys.com. If you guys haven't been there before, definitely go check it out. We've had uh, one of their guys on there, Daniel Harms, on the podcast before a couple of times. Great guy, very nice guy. And the guy who runs it, Anthony Stratton, very nice guy as well. Had the pleasure of meeting Anthony uh, a couple of weeks ago. And when I met Anthony, I met this gentleman who was on the phone with us with Arrowhead Guys. Also been a very long-time listener of the podcast, which is awesome. His name is Mark Centeni, all the way in Jersey, joining us here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Mark, what's going on, man? Hey, Clarence. Hey, Zach. How's it going today? Good, man. Good. Uh, appreciate you making time for us. Uh, I, I, before we get into the Chiefs and everything... Uh, I want to talk about your kind of like your background as a Chiefs fan and, and what you've done online because uh, you you've do, you've been responsible for a few message boards and I'll name a couple of them. So you've been part of Chiefs War Room, NFLFans.com, FanStop, Post Chronicle. Uh, I mean, you've been out there in the media and also you've ran a few message boards, which obviously, I mean, they're not, I know they're still a thing now, but they're not as big as they used to because of social media. But, you know, I've always said for a long time, the original social media has been message boards. That's where people went to post their thoughts or interact with other fans, whether it was fans of their uh, same teams, teams they had in common with, or just other fans where they could just have fun or trash talk, whatever. Uh, You've been part of uh, this thing for a while now uh tell me what, what that was like kind of back in the day you know running all these message boards and that that transition you know from message boards now here we all are on twitter uh talking sports yeah it was kind of an interesting beginning um you know being out here in jersey you know following the chiefs until the advent of the satellite was kind of a difficult thing and it was you know easier when the sports bars were around and, you know, used to go there and you knew guys by their jersey. You didn't even know their names. You just knew, you saw that, you know, there's the Marino guy and, you know, there's the, you know, uh, Strawback guy and, you know, and Emmett Smith guy. I'm naming all Cowboys guys. I don't know what's wrong with me, but, um, <laughs> so, you know, and then, you know, the, then the satellite came, you know, to our regular homes, but, you know, 
before that, it was difficult to communicate with people, especially out here, you know, and, and talk about my team. And so I just, you know, just decided to create a, you know, a website and created a forum and, you know, kind of recruited some people to talk. And most of them were people that I had met on AOL. And when they used to have, um, you know, a message board section and things kind of took off from there. And, um, we ended up, um, branching out just from, you know, an AFC West perspective, um, to a full NFL presence. And we did baseball, we did hockey, we did basketball, we did all of it. And the problem back then though, was they hadn't solved the bandwidth problem yet. You know, the pipe was just too narrow and it was so costly to run these things. Um, you know, sort of, you know, I kind of missed the boat a little bit on the whole, you know, social media thing, just simply because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the time yet, but, you know, from there and, you know, I, I hooked up with some other guys and a gentleman out in California who was running a website called Fan Stop and he wanted, you know, me to come in and, you know, bring my knowledge of community building, which is kind of what I was known for at the time. And, you know, move my stuff there, which, you know, we did and we tried it. But again, like I said, you know, the bandwidth just, was just as an issue. The cost was astronomical. So it, it didn't really, you know, it didn't pay, it didn't pay off as far as, you know, from a financial standpoint, although none of us were really looking to get rich from, from doing what we do. It certainly was a, was a passion play, but obviously we wanted to be able to pay the bills. And, um, I also did before that I had, you know, had done NFL fans that call it with a, a buddy of mine and, uh, I should, you know, he's a Raider fan and I should have, I should have known that wasn't, that wasn't going to go well, but, uh, you know, they got bought out. Um, I left before they got bought out cause I didn't like the direction things were going, but they got bought out by rivals. And, um, so they moved everything there and I kind of went off and did my own thing and I had the war room for, Oh my lord! I had it from 1995 until about 2015. And oh wow, so recent. Yeah, I I, I only closed it about four years ago. I moved it to face, you know, I just kind of moved the forum to Facebook because it's like, well, we'll just let them pay for us. Um, yeah. So we had a we had a message board that was that we you know we called home of the Chiefs board or the acronym Hot CB, and it became you know fairly popular and then it started getting out of control because of the amount of people that you know were, were coming into it and it was just difficult to police so i kind of decided that i would you know close it close it to just to you know a bunch of private friends which i'm to this day i'm still friends with in fact you know you met a couple of them yeah yeah when we got together that saturday night um but you know it's I, you know i was a season ticket holder for six years uh, just like, um, just like DJ, I had this long haul here because it's eight, you know, Zach knows it's, it's like 18 hours from, from where we are. I mean, to be fair, I, I never made the drive. I just kind of flew. Uh, I, always, <laughs> I always drove. That's real dedication right there. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, big time. Time. it was a plan, you know, we used to stop off and then it was, it was, it was 12 hours in Indianapolis. So we'd do the 12 and then, you know, get in there late usually 
you know, get a drink and then hit, hit the sack and then get up in the morning and it's only six hours. And then, you know, exactly the opposite of that was coming home. We'd usually leave after the game. You know, game ends around 3-4, right? So six hours to Indianapolis, call it a night, and then do the 12 back home. And uh, I used to make it to about eh, between three and five games during the season. And then just like DJ, I would put the tickets up for sale on, you know, the ticket exchange or or just simply give them to friends of mine that are out there. But been going out there now for, well, it's been like 22 years I've been making the trek out there. So made a lot of friends out there. You know, you were mentioning DJ, and one of the things that he and I we were talking about, uh, he, he was texting me about this, uh, and he tweeted me this as well, talking about how, you know, early on he was concerned about the Chiefs' rush defense, but recently Spagnolo has been able to make some better adjustments, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, before the games, as the season goes on, and even during games, and I know you've mentioned that as well. What what are your thoughts on this defense right now? As Charvarius Ward's kind of starting to come into his own right now, which bit of a surprise, you know, especially without Kendall Fuller last week. And this defense really just gradually improving, improving, but still uh, better than not, especially where they were last year compared to right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the job that Steve Spagnuolo has done up to this point? Well, I was pretty excited when we signed Spag, just simply because, you know, I've seen him in my backyard for, for quite a long time when he was with the Eagles and when he was with the Giants. So I, I knew what he brought to the table. One of the things he was always good at was half, you know, halftime adjustments. I thought his, you know, his zone pressure schemes would work really good for us, especially with the talent that we had. Um, and he's been able to get, you know, some really good production out of some guys that we weren't getting production out of. So guys like K Pass and, and Ward's really turned his game around. And I'm going to take a little credit for that because I had actually tweeted out um, I don't know, it was like week three, week two or week three, that how much I liked the guy. You know, I tagged him in a, in a tweet, and I said, you know, I really like this guy. I love the way he has a short memory. I love the way he hustles. But he just seems to have, I feel bad for him because he just seems to have trouble tracking the ball in the air. So the next thing I know, he immediately responds to that, um, and he says, he says, you know, save it. I don't need your sympathy. And before I could fire off a reply to that, letting him know, hey, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't disrespecting. I, I was just making an observation. He deleted the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> he was smart, un- unlike the, the guy in, in Cleveland who decided to not delete his tweets. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't anywhere. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, I mean, that was just nuts. But, you know, you remember what Herm Edwards, Herm Edwards used to say. He used to say, you don't hit send. And... <laughs> So, you know, he deleted it. I did reply to him anyway. I sent him just a personal message and said, hey, you know, I wasn't looking to disrespect you or, or, or you know, hang you out to dry in front of everybody. I was just simply making an observation, and I love your game, and I hope you turn it around. And, yes, he's become basically our shutdown corner, which, I, you know, I never thought I would ever be saying. Um but as far as, you know, the overall defense, I, I, I think that, you know, they've turned the corner. I said, you know, they, they're getting production out of the, you know, the free agents that they brought in. I mean, look at Agba. I mean, he's leading the team in sacks. He's a monster. Uh, when Okafor is healthy, he's been, you know, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of production there. 
And then, you know, the Breland's been a nice surprise. Um, so, you know, Fuller, you know, it, he has his ups and downs. And then, you know, we got the kid Thornhill who, you know, at first he just, you know, he just needed to clean up the tackling, but he was, he was pretty solid. And so it's, it's, it's really starting to all come together. And I think that, you know, we're not going to be a top 10 defense, but, you know, I was hoping we would be somewhere between, you know, somewhere like around 18th, 19th. I thought that would be good enough. I mean, and sure enough, we're you know pretty much right about there, and you know got a couple of uh, spots to make up yet, but you know we're we're certainly streaming towards it, and so that's uh you know certainly encouraging. I guess I'm curious. So yeah, I'm curious. How did you get to be a Chiefs fan? Were you you know born in Kansas City or anything, or you know what? what? No, no. Um, yeah, that's kind of actually a funny story. It's a funny story. I asked him the same thing recently. You'll enjoy this. I was like, I was a young, young kid. I was probably around seven years old, and, and I was watching football, and in my house, you know, my dad was a Yankees fan, and I was a Yankees fan. We were Rangers fans. We were Knicks fans. And, sorry to hear that. Sorry you know, to hear that. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't really follow any of that stuff anymore. I'm, I'm pretty much a two sport guy. I'm a, I'm a football guy and I'm a NASCAR guy. And, um, which is also a dirty word out here. Um, so my dad was a Raiders fan and, um, I had told my mom, I, I said, you know, I, I would like to get, you know, a bedroom set for my room. And so she went to the pennies and she said that when she got there, they were sold out of just about everything else. And not, not that they stopped a whole lot of other teams, you know, around the country, but, you know, certainly they would stop like, you know, the Cowboys and the Raiders and, you know, the Browns, and, you know, the teams that travel well. But she said that the only two teams that were available were the red team and the green team. And she said, I know I knew you didn't like green. And I am like forever grateful because I could be a Jets fan right now. And that, that would be really bad. <laughs> That is pretty funny. No, I, I remember. Uh, I remember you were telling me the story because I was always curious. Because you and I had been in touch for uh, for a few years now, uh, and I was always curious. You know, I, 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 was he was he born? Because I always ask this question. You know, when I meet someone in college, you know, why did you choose Kansas? Or or if you're a Chiefs fan, not living in KC, you know, why are you a Chiefs fan? How did you become a Chiefs fan? So your story is a very unique one. I like that. Certainly very cool. So and I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad Zach asked that so we could share that. Uh, listen, last thing before we let you go, just kind of want to get your thoughts on the offense too. Uh, this Chiefs offense has been doing quite well without Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they really have. And I know you mentioned, you know, Watkins, great, reliable receiver when he's healthy. Uh, I know that's been kind of an issue with him, but when he's on the field, man, he does a lot of damage. And you know what Tyreek Hill is all about. And... Travis Kelsey's a Pro Bowl tight end. Uh, Damian Williams had a really good game, and hopefully he can replicate that moving forward. Uh, even with Matt Moore, now you're not a Super Bowl team by any means, but we all thought that about Nick Foles and the Eagles. Uh, what are your thoughts on the offense right now uh, with the way they've been playing with Matt Moore? Well, first and foremost, I, I was a big Matt Moore fan. Um, basically, ever ever since I saw him take that hit from from Bud Dupree on the Steelers. And it was like one of the most vicious hits I think I had ever seen. And he got right back up again and, you know, he missed one play. And then he came in and led a 
touchdown drive. And I was like, my God, what what moxie does this guy have? And um, and he's always been a good, you know, uh, stand in the pocket, tough. Uh, mis- you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, he was a team MVP for the Dolphins in 2011, and a lot of people don't remember that. And you know, he's just he's just been a, a, a really reliable guy that we could go to, right? So that's what we wanted. We wanted somebody that could just hold down the fort, don't try to do too much, and don't make any mistakes. And that's exactly what he did. And, and I'm you know I'm happy for him. Um, I think he's probably even starting to think now that possibly that you know maybe he hung it up too soon, but. You know, being on the Dolphins that do that to you. Uh, yeah. So, um, as far as like the other guys, you know, everybody's played well. Um, I think though that, you know, Hill and Watkins are just on another level. You know, they can beat press man coverage without a problem. Um, you know, D. Rob and and Pringle and and Hardman. Well, Hardman's young. You know, he's he's still learning. Um, but you know they were having trouble getting open when when you know that stretch there when they were they were playing that kind of defense against us. And uh, but you know D Rob's a nice three, nice four receiver. You know he just has a tendency to disappear. He's not disappeared as much this year as he's done in the past, which is you know very encouraging. Um, you know Damien looks like he's finally gotten it you know together because it was the shady show for you know quite a while there, but he's putting the ball on the carpet like every 47 touches. So, I mean, like, that just, you know, can't happen. And I like Daryl, and um, I really like the kid, you know, Darwin. I'd like to see him get some playing time, but I understand, you know, that the, you know, the the organization's a little concerned about, you know, some of the other stuff like pass protection, even though I've seen him make some great blocks. So, the offensive line's playing better over the last few games. You know, instead of, you know, Irving's not the turn style that he was, I think Wiz has been pretty good. Nice pickup. You know, I think that that's probably what Veach has done best is make some of these sort of under-the-radar sort of signings that, you know, they, these guys have come in and they've, you know, they've contributed. Very cool, and hopefully they can keep that up. Patrick Mahomes inching closer and closer to coming back, so we'll see how all of that pans out. Hey, Mark, uh, great having you on. Really appreciate you making time for us. If you guys want to follow Mark on Twitter, it's Mark Centeni. Mark is spelled M-A-R-C, and his last name, Centeni, C-E-N-T-A-N-N-I. Mark Centeni on Twitter. Check out his work over at ArrowheadGuys.com. Hey, Mark, uh, a lot of fun talking to you. We'll definitely have you back on again, and DJ's going to be part of the podcast soon, so hopefully, you know, the three of us, you know, plus you, uh, you as well, we can all uh, do a podcast again sometime down the road together. That'd be a lot of fun. I appreciate that. All right, Mark. Take care. Uh, We'll talk to you again. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it. Mark Centeni joining us here on the Chief Zone podcast. Uh, Really great guy. Uh, Nice guy. Uh, Was glad to meet him. And uh, he does a lot of great stuff over at arrowheadsguys.com. So, uh, check out his work, and again, we mentioned Daniel Harms, Anthony Stratton, uh, and their podcast as well. Uh, a lot of great work. If you guys want to uh, go check out more Chiefs content, that is the place to go. All right, Zach, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up, read a few text messages. Uh, you ready to do that? Let's do it. It's always one of the more entertaining segments. Yes, uh, got a few this episode. Uh, first one, out of the 785, uh, I think the Chiefs will be more dominant at the end of the season where uh, when everyone is more healthy. 
and Mahomes stays on the field, Jones plays a big part of big wins. Don't want to be relying on last-minute field goal wins. And look, it's the NFL sometimes. Uh, sometimes you do have games that come down to the wire like that. As far as the healthy part, look, everyone's going to be dealing with injuries in November and December. And, you know, the Chiefs, for the most part, they've been doing a pretty good job handling it. There are other teams that are struggling with it. And I know we've we, we've been pretty upset about this in the way things have panned out. But Chiefs have been doing a pretty good job of, of the situation they've, they've been dealing with. Not an easy thing to do. No, without a doubt, and I mean, especially that, you know, a win is a win in today's NFL, man. And so, will we be more dominant as we go towards the end of the season and we, you know, get a little bit healthier, namely getting Mahomes back on the field? Well, it would certainly stand to reason. But even if we do still win by a field goal or two, I mean, tell me you wouldn't have taken a field goal win in that AFC title game because I know I would have. It just makes games more exciting. Yeah, of course, we'd love to win, you know, 41-14 like the Chiefs did against the Patriots a few years ago. But you're not always going to get that, uh, especially against a team like the Vikings. I mean, that is a damn good football team. I know I keep saying that, but I I can't emphasize how much that was a big win without Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, not not a lot of teams are able to stop the Vikings the way the Chiefs did. Not a lot of teams. And I'm sure a lot of teams that are going to be playing the Vikings... They'll be watching that Chiefs game film to see what is the secret. How do you beat the the Vikings? Well, Chiefs kind of put it out there on the table to figure out. Uh, From the 208, I honestly and truly think that Patrick Mahomes getting hurt has boosted the defense everywhere in the past three games in which realizing that they can't rely for him to execute plays every single series of every single game. And honestly, it was for the better, in my opinion, because of uh, now our defense is 11th overall in the league. To be clear, it's actually, uh, it was 11th earlier in the week, but because of Monday Night Football and I guess, you know, league standings changing a little bit, they're 12th against a pass. Like I said, I, I know there's been some miscues on that with Twitter, but nonetheless, his text continues. We are getting all of our starters back now. Also, side note, please shout out Jeff Yearsley and Preston Deck. My name is Jackson Yearsley, and we're all out in Idaho. Well, Hello to Jeff Yearsley and Preston Deck. You guys have a very nice friend in Jackson Yearsley. What a guy Jackson Yearsley is. You know, texting the podcast, listening in, shouting out his, I'm guessing his brother, father, son, someone, and his friend as well. What a guy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And always happy to shout out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> always happy to shout out fans, especially when, you know, Jeff and Preston, you guys, a- you guys owe Jackson a drink. You guys owe Jackson a drink for that. But nonetheless, as far as the whole, like, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Coming back soon, I mean, this is really a good time. Again, kind of like what we were saying earlier, the defense hasn't been great. Or excuse me, the defense has kind of struggled and the injuries, you know, bad luck there. But uh, they've been handling better than not. And you're getting Patrick Mahomes back, the reigning MVP, which is going to scare a lot of teams, Zach. Yeah, I mean, it, but it should scare a lot of teams, plain and simple. Like, Chiefs are coming, man. It's going to be fun. From the 336, Michael in North Carolina, what cornerbacks on the team next year? Uh, I'm not quite sure I understand that part of his text. Uh, what, he what says, cornerbacks is, are going to be on the team's ne- team next oh, year? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then he also asks, is Ward our best cornerback this year? And will you still take texts when you go to one podcast a week? Yes, we'll still be doing text messages, as we said earlier, but. You know, if a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes had a great game, well, we're not going to read all those texts. Um, 
So we're going to trim down on those a little bit. Uh, you know, have a unique opinion when you text in. That's all we're kind of asking for. But again, as far as the other questions, we will. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Everybody. No, I was just going to suggest. Yeah, you know, even if you know we do roll. You know, even if you send in an opinion that you know two or three other people send in, don't worry. We're still going to shout you out for having that opinion because we do genuinely appreciate that you're you know interacting with us on the text line. As as far as the other texts, uh, the, the questions go, I should say, uh, is Ward our best cornerback this year? Uh, he, he's been the best cornerback lately. I don't know all year long as if he's been the best. I still think it's Kendall Fuller. And as far as who's going to be on the team next year at cornerback, uh, easily Kendall Fuller and Charverius Ward. And I'm curious, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen with Rashad Fenton. And then Keith Reeser is a guy who they signed from the AAF, AAF, excuse me, did a really good job. In the AAF, um, now he's back for a second stint with the Chiefs, but it was cut short because of his training camp injury. I'm curious to see uh, if he can uh, can do anything to help out the Chiefs next year. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I, I would still like to see another one added to that mix, whether that's a rookie or, I mean, yeah, no, actually sign me up for a rookie. That'd be kind of nice. Um, there's something along, you know, somewhere between a first and third rounder, uh, something like that, just to, you know, really start building for the future of that unit i think would be really nice to see but uh you know i I see no reason to think that uh our current corners won't still be around i mean pretty sure everybody's still got a couple of uh a couple of years left i'm currently looking that up to be honest with you but uh i mean they're all under you know relatively uh manageable contracts so unless they go out there trying to really break the bank i don't see any reason these guys wouldn't be back Last text from uh, Lee Summit. It's Mike from the 816. Glad you aren't quitting the podcast, and I think once a week will be great. Also, I see where you are coming from on how Disney Plus could have a hand in sports one day going fully online. The uh, Zone is huge, like ESPN Plus. Zach, have you heard of The Zone? Nope. I was just okay, looking so- it up a minute ago because I didn't know what that was. Okay, so DAZN is spelled D-A-Z-N. Basically, it's mostly combat sports. Uh, a Feel lot like of boxing events. Oh. Yeah, that's how it's... <laughs> that is kind of a weird one, but um, a lot of people were wondering. Spelling, <laughs> uh, a lot of people were wondering how that was pronounced early on, but it's DAZN. Um, do you know who Michael Buffer is? Nope. Okay, do you know who Bruce Buffer is? Mm, nope. I'm going to guess they're related. Okay, Bruce... Bruce Buffer is the octagon announcer for the UFC. He's introducing the fighters in the cage. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Michael Buffer is his half-brother who does boxing events. He is in a lot of DAZN commercials. So, does he also uh, I'm sure you the maybe have... voice or, like, the, you know, uh, announcing? Like, are they just brothers that announce? Yeah, uh, they've awesome. got the golden pipes, essentially. Uh, uh, that's where the, uh, I don't know where the gene comes from, but that's uh, who they are. Anyway, my, my point is, that's, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen, if you've seen Michael Buffer in the DAZN commercials, that's what that is. But mm-hmm. DAZN has a lot of um, boxing events and a couple of MMA events as well. You know what's weird about combat sports? Like ESPN Plus, I know they do a lot of soccer and hockey games, but they're mostly known for these UFC pay-per-views. The Zone has uh, combat sporting events, and then there's another combat streaming service called Fight TV, where they have like not WWE but promotions similar to WWE and other MMA and boxing events. You know, combat sports is the one sport that has taken advantage of these streaming services that we talked about last week. 
you don't I mean I know NFL has NFL Game Pass uh, and they have Hulu uh, where you can watch games through there but most people are watching NFL games on TV they're not watching through a streaming service um, whereas with combat sports like the UFC with ESPN plus a lot of major boxing events with the zone uh, they've taken full advantage of the opportunity to go online and get people to pay for that subscription whereas we haven't seen that in other sports and I Quite honestly, don't know why. I mean, realistically, I think it's because all of the others have such entrenched interests in you know other contracts. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, I mean, yeah, boxing that's true. Was always kind of pay per view driven, and you know, combat sports. I feel like as a whole, really were more pay per view driven, just because it wasn't a you know regularly scheduled you know event. Uh, whereas you know football, I mean, certainly when it comes to a TV contract, it's like you know it's going to be there every Sunday, every Monday, uh, you know, as well as every Thursday. So you know it's reliable on that front. Whereas you know there's a lot longer distance between really marquee fights, if that makes sense. You know what's interesting? I, I never mentioned this, but WWE, and I know they're not a sport, but they still do fall under the combat sports uh, realm and all. Um, but they. Uh, they have the WWE Network where you can get all their pay-per-views and all of past events. Um, they have really gone. Full, I mean, they're no. You can't really go like on your DirecTV pay-per-view anymore. I don't think. I could be wrong, but I don't think you can go there anymore and get pay-per-views. You got to get it through WWE Network, kind of like it with the UFC. You have to now get it through ESPN Plus exclusively. And again. We'll see. We discussed this last week, so I don't want to go too much into it, but you can check it out from last uh, last Thursday's episode where we kind of went, went with this. Uh, it was a it was a fun discussion talking about Disney Plus and how cool that's going to be, and whether or not you know other, if other sports, if if if, if, a, if a streaming service like Disney Plus will um, will do anything such as uh, uh, you know forcing these sporting uh, leagues to convert one day to full time streaming online. Uh, Zach, before we sign off, uh, is there anything you wanted to add uh, to that cornerback comment we had earlier? Yeah, I was just going to you know, kind of update on you know what corners I think that'll still be on the team next year. Uh, you know, based on you know, I mean, we'll see what his injury ends up shaking out as. But if Fuller could, is able to come back at full strength, uh, you know, given that he's an undra- or, uh, unrestricted free agent you know, following this season, he very well may be priced out of the Chiefs re-signing him. Uh, and so we might have to look to replace him. And then Breland actually falls under that same category uh, in that you know, we just signed him to kind of that one-year prove-it deal. Uh, I think you know of those two, I think that Fuller would command a much higher price out there on the market today, obviously, uh, both just age and you know output up to this point. Uh, I think that you know, he might be the one that's a little harder for the Chiefs to uh, you know, re-sign just strictly on a cost basis. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what shakes out there as far as the uh, you know, free agency contracts start looking like. Yeah, I, I think Kendall Fuller is, is someone who's due for a, a big contract. That'll be very interesting. I know he came up from the Alex Smith trade. Lots of people were shocked at the price the Redskins gave up for Alex Smith. And looking back, uh, certainly looks like uh, one of the more regrettable moves. Uh, I mean, it's no shot at Alex Smith. That's, I mean, you can never predict those kinds of things, but... Certainly a move uh, that I think a lot of Redskins wish that they had back, but should be very interesting to see nonetheless. 
All right, been a really good episode. Big thanks to Mark Centeni for joining us here on the Chiefstone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys joining us here on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Spread the word, subscribe, facebook.com slash Farzine with Sugin, at Farzine21 and at Z Stegna on Twitter. Should be a very fun game this Sunday in Tennessee. So check that out. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football action. And again, from here on out, we'll be doing one podcast per week. So we'll talk to you again same time next week on uh, Thursday. Our next episode will be out. So enjoy your football weekend. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Big thanks to all of you guys for joining us. Talk to you then.